Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to be together and joining in together again. Uh, my name's Drew, uh, just a leader here at Praxis, and so thankful that you're joining us. Hey, at the beginning of this year, we really wanted to start this kind of new type of rhythm for our community where we would take the first Sunday of every month and be in Praxis communities. So instead of getting together uh, all together in the same room at Goodwill Industries, the thought was is really cultivating a place and space where we could turn our lives, our chairs in towards each other and this has kind of been on our heart for the last couple years and we really felt like as we were hoping to kind of get through and I know it's taken longer and there's lots of opinions about the pandemic but as we were just thinking about future church we thought man what if we could create a space where we're in homes together uh, just journeying together and using the online piece as a place for content just to lead your groups and communities and as well then these obviously these mornings as well these days together on the first of the month would also be online where if maybe you don't necessarily want to get involved in a community we're not going to obviously force anybody into that we want to invite everybody in but that you could also watch online and just think and wrestle through some things and so we're trying to cultivate that as good as we can obviously new variants all sorts of things going on um, sometimes that you know changes our schedules And one of the things that you may remember is just a few weeks ago, we had uh, David Harvey with us from Westside Kings in Calgary and got us rolling. And man, it was just so good. Just him kind of leading us through the big themes of Galatians and what we're getting into. And now we've kind of slowly got into the letter a little bit. But I thought on these first of the month mornings over the next couple of uh, months, we'd have David come back and just kind of step out of the expository kind of chapter by chapter, verse by verse rhythm and talk this month and then next month in March to talk about two really important themes that are almost, it's almost like this is a bonus episode if you're following me, where we get a couple minutes just to wrestle through and as we wrestle through this together, give you a place to hear uh, maybe another um, thread of this this beautiful letter. So anyways, with all that said, David, great to have you back with us. Thank you. So great to have you here. Uh, so heard you know i just know that um there's uh, such great feedback in the sense of like as i think through um you just sharing a couple of weeks ago a few weeks ago how good it was just to get our minds and hearts around this so let's talk about the piece i know we talked about cruciformity Mm -hmm. as a big Mm -hmm. piece it's it's always running through paul's language but Mm -hmm. especially you see it here in galatians and what he's dealing with But let's talk about this piece of cruciform love Mm because this is something that you've brought up in our dialogue together a bit yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. There's almost a principle underlying some of the stuff that we're talking about here. When when it comes to studying a biblical text, there's a whole host of things you should be doing when you're studying a biblical text, and, and some of them sound terrifying. And that's why I always say to people, well, the first thing you need to do is read the text, right? And then you know, don't, don't let all of the things you need to learn put you off from reading it. Um, but one of the things I always think is worth looking at is, is how words are being used. Right? and how words are being defined. And I'm a great believer in the fact that Paul kind of stitches into his letters the explanation of how things are supposed to be understood. But quite often what happens is because of how we read the text, we forget that Paul is doing this, and we actually miss seeing Paul do this. So what I mean by that is um, 
there's not many of us sit down with Galatians and go, you know, hey, you know, we don't turn to our husband or our wife and say, you know, I'm just going to go read Galatians now. Like, what we often do is it's like, hey, I'm reading through Galatians. So that means today I'm going to read chapter 1, 1 to 8, and then tomorrow I'm reading 1 to 9. And, you know, the problem with that is, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to read through the Bible like that. But one of the problems it generates is generally by the time you're at chapter 5 or 6, it's about 5 or 6 days from when you started. Right. Um, and so you've forgotten things. Right. Uh, and so I always when I used to teach seminaries, I used to say to my students, read Paul's letters like you watch your favorite movies. Right? You know, again and again and again. Right? And uh, but also in one go, like it's very if you know, if you said to me, David, you know, hey, here's my favorite movie. Come around. Let's watch it together. It's unlikely that you would watch five minutes, stop it and go. So, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. We'll keep watching the next bit because I would miss plot elements and I would li- miss all sorts of things that are going on. So one of the things, because of how we tend to read, read Scripture, we miss the things that are stitched together, right? Um, and so what I want to say is that when it comes to this language of cruciformity, of being cross-shaped, that's literally to be cruciformed, cross-formed, uh, it is fundamental to Paul. Uh, but, but it's not just simply what we tend to do with the cross is we project to go, that's something Jesus did for us. Right. Um, and and we tend to think of it, you, you know, as the as the method that God used to rescue the world. And we often don't think about the ethical side of the cross, which is also the means by which we live out our lives, that, that Christians are called to look like Jesus. Right. Sounds hugely controversial to say that, that we're supposed to model and imitate Jesus. But actually, that language is all over the New Testament, right? Uh, and as we talked about when I did the intro uh, to this series with you, you know, God's Spirit is in us, forming us like Jesus. God's, we've been baptized into Jesus. We've been clothed with Jesus. Paul even prays that Christ is being formed in us. So, you know, when a pastor stands up and says, hey, we're all supposed to be like Jesus, it's the furthest thing from controversial or blasphemous ever it's actually what it is to be a Christian, right? Is to be is to be formed like Jesus. But right. notice how Paul does this. So in chapter two, uh, Paul says, "I have been crucified with Christ." So he's aligning himself in the story. Paul definitely sees his own journey as one of very closely modeling Jesus. In First Corinthians chapter eleven, he says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Uh, so Paul sees himself and Christ very close together. Oh, what an arrogant jerk we say that, that he could say that. But again, remember what I just said. Paul's not actually being arrogant when he says that because that's available to all of us, right? That Christ is formed in us so that all Christians should be able to say, I mean, this is about as controversial as I can get. All Christians should be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. Um, unfortunately, we have not done that overly well at times, Drew, but let's talk about that another day. So Paul says, you know, Galatians 2 verse 20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. So I have died now. This is the end of Paul. We now have this new Paul, this Paul who Christ lives in me, he says. So a crucified with Christ, I no longer live. Christ lives in me. There's an end, there's a hard stop to where Paul's previous way of life happened and a new fresh start that happens in, in Paul. And then he says this, the life I now live in my body or in my flesh, depending on how you want to translate that, I live by trusting the Son of God 
uh, and he feels like he wants to give us a little bit more definition, and this is the definition he gives. This is how I would translate this verse. The Son of God who loved me by dying for me. Some translations have who loved me and gave himself for me. They're both valid translations. Just why I like to translate it as he loved me by giving himself for me is it just connects for Paul. It's not like Jesus loved me and also Jesus gave himself for me. It's that these two are part and parcel of the same thing. How did Paul know that Jesus loved him? Because he gave himself for him. The expression of Jesus's love. How do we know Jesus loved us? because he died on the cross for us. Now, in one sense, with passages like John, you know, greater love has no one than they lay down their life for their friends. We've kind of, in Christendom, gotten used to the idea of sacrificial love, right? Sacrificial love was not a common concept in the Greco-Roman world. So Paul is being a little controversial here. But he's, he's defining that Jesus' love came through his sacrifice, Right. So now what's interesting here, and this is, this is what I mean when I say it comes to, to how we read the Bible and how we understand text. Paul now doesn't talk about love again. Right? Uh, so chapter 3, we talk a little bit about Abraham. We talk about oneness. Chapter 4, we get through a whole conversation about slaves and heirs and the spirit of God. And, 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 and Paul sort of deals with some kind of images and allegories from the Old Testament. Then we roll into chapter 5, right? And Paul now starts to turn into, hey, you know, what about freedom? Well, it's freedom that Christ set us free for. So stand firm and don't be burdened by slavery again, says Paul. Um, and then he says this, in chapter 5, verse 5, and chapter 5, verse 6, become really quite interesting little pieces of text here. Paul says this, For through the Spirit we eagerly, eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. Now, those are a dense two verses that that we have there. Whoa, Paul, you're doing some big stuff here. But actually, there's almost a little summary of the entire letter going on here. Paul's talked in chapter 2 about righteousness. How do we get righteousness? Paul's dealt with that in chapter 2. So he says, how do we get it? We're waiting for in the Spirit. We're waiting for it, and we trust in faith that it's coming. So we're hoping for it. But then he says, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So little little side note here for a second. Do we agree with that, right? So circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. Many of us within church tradition, Drew, when it comes to reading something like Galatians, and, and I've tested this in a few situations, and I say, what do you think Paul's trying to get at um, in Galatians? And the amount of times people will say this, they'll say, um, well, he's telling us that you don't need to be circumcised to be a Jesus follower. And part of me wants to say yes, and the other part of me wants to say no. Because unfortunately what happens is that we go, ah, well, you know, Paul's saying you don't need to be circumcised to be a, a Jesus follower. Therefore, what we accidentally suggest is that being uncircumcised is better, Right. What Paul says here is that way of thinking just doesn't matter anymore, right? Um, so, so when Paul says, uh, you know, there is in Christ Jesus neither male and female, the question, so which is better to be? And Paul says that way of thinking 
just doesn't matter anymore. Differentiated thinking or binary thinking, you might you know say it, um, the way of thinking which of these two options is the better. Jesus has bankrupted all of them, is what Paul's saying. It has no value. I mean, that's pretty strong language. Then he says this, the only thing that counts. So he's still using that kind of economics metaphor. What does count is your faith or your trust in Jesus being worked out through love, right? Now, now that's a hugely controversial statement if you know anything about the last 2,000 years of church history because we have so often put weight on right beliefs and having the right orthodoxy and, and, and doing the right religious practices and, you know, don't be like this, be like that. And then Paul comes along and says, actually, you know, what about righteousness? Go back to verse 5. What about righteousness? In the spirit, we know that God's going to put this right. We know that it's happening in hope, so we don't need to worry about that. What about our status? Paul says, yep, that doesn't have any value. So what does matter then, Paul? Why have you written this whole letter to you? I've written this letter to tell you that your faith expresses itself through love. Right? Now, then what we do, and this is where if we're not careful, we then all, we all head off into our little meetings and decide what that looks like, right? But... Right. This is the first time Paul has mentioned love since chapter 2, verse 20, right? And in chapter 2, verse 20, love was defined as sacrificial. Love was defined as cruciformed. How do we know Jesus loved us? Because he died on the cross for us. So I really would encourage the reader at this point not to go love, oh, I know what love means, and now I can understand and interpret what faith working through love means. Um, and by the way, the word working is the same word that we get um, the word energy from. So another way to translate this would be faith energized by love. So trust in Jesus that's energized by the sacrificial love of Jesus. So so what we're seeing then is that Paul's now about to move into a section of conversation where he's going to talk about how people behave and it's going to be motivated by this notion of a faith that works itself out through, and I think you could say cruciformed love, right? And why would I say cruciformed love? Because it helps me not forget. Don't impose my own view of love here. Let's, what does Paul mean by love in this passage? So notice Verse 13 now, we get to chapter, verse 13 of chapter 5. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge your flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. So again, what kind of love? Cruciformed love. Well, then serve one another humbly in cruciformed love. Can you see how even a sentence like that kind of retells the story of Jesus from Philippians 2, you know, where he serves us, he takes a humble position, and he loves us by dying for us. So, so then Paul says the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. So, so can you see how he's defining love by care for the other, by care for the person who needs to be rescued? And so what I think is always worth doing is noting that, that our, our language of interpretation is important and looking in the letter with the reading to go, well, what does Paul mean by this? Um, notice what he says in chapter 5, verse 15, if you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other so the stakes are really high as far as paul's concerned and then turn over the page to oh well, my i do in my bible i turn over the page to verse 22 of chapter 5 
And what do we get here? At chapter, uh, sorry, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, by now, we realize that one of the impacts of the Spirit in us is that we have love that is Jesus-shaped. Um, and so I think for me, it's a really helpful way to kind of track what it is that's going on in this letter and how it is that calls, Paul is calling us to be. That our language of freedom, our language of rights, our language of, of anything that we do needs to be placed under an umbrella that true Jesus following it works its way out through sacrificial love, works its way out through right. the cross-shaped love of Jesus. Um, and I think that that, for reasons that are pretty dense, Paul needed to say to the church in Galatia, for reasons that are a lot clearer, I think we need to keep saying this to each other in the 21st century, that, that, that our call, that real true love comes out in care for the other, in care for our neighbor. Um, you know, remember Jesus says this, doesn't he? You know, it's like, you know, love your Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, you know, yeah. John in 1 John says, if you don't do that, there's questions about how much you love God. So you see this very holistic sense of what the yeah, kingdom yeah. can do there. But I feel like that, that, what I hope is that that keeps you a kind of nice little succinct bubble, you know, if, if you're engaging with this teaching, that you can sort of go, okay, so I can now place that on top of, you know, just right. my daily life. Right. You know, like that, you know, that person at work that I would really like to strangle. Well, you know, when I choose not to strangle and them, (laughs) which I really hope you do choose not to. But when you choose not to strangle them, but instead lean in towards them in love, you know, just know that your faith is winning. Right. That that your following of Jesus is overwhelming who you naturally are and what you naturally want to be. Uh, And the fruit of the spirit is coming out. So good. So good. Let's do this. Uh, on these first of the month kind mm-hmm. of uh, gatherings together, we want to create mo- actually a little bit more intentional space to wrestle through this. Mm-hmm. And so, David, thanks for being with us again. David is actually going to be with us next month as well. He's going to be uh, with us uh, leading, and we're going to talk a little bit again around another theme that we can kind of pull out, kind of bonus episode style. But um, let's give you space where you are. Uh, some of you are just joining us online uh, individually. Some questions are going to come up that you might want to think through. But uh, those that are in groups, we're going to give uh, you opportunity right now to just wrestle through some things. And some uh, questions are going to come up uh, for you. And uh, take some time. Let's wrestle through this really like what does this what we've just heard here in response to it what does it mean for us that's a big thing you know i think we need to wrestle through today this weekend as we think about this idea of cruciform love so thanks for being with us and uh, we hope you can join us continue to join in on what's happening as we continue to walk through galatians have an amazing day